Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. We've all broken our legs, and now we're down in the basement, wishing there was a rear window for us to look out of. This week we're talking rear window on Zach on film. Zach, this is why Boom, this nailed is, it. <laughs> this is why you need to do your homework. top of the dome. <laughs> this is why you need to do your homework and come to class prepared. <laughs> write them ahead of time. They're hard to ad lib. Well, the, the problem is I usually write it in the middle of the other show because we were down a host today, so I was doing more talking. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Zach, of course, is talking about one of our other shows, the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yeah. One of the shows that you can find in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network over on iTunes, the RSS feed, anywhere where you get fine podcasts worldwide, even on Stitcher and Alpha Geek Radio. Hey. So, Zach. Yes. I'm going to say this right up front. It okay. has been. One week uh, since you looked no. at me. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Cocked your head to the side and said, I'm crazy. <laughs> um, it has been at least a year. No, it's it's been at most a year since I've watched Rear Window. Usually when we do these shows, uh, I'll sit down and rewatch the show, but I watch Rear Window at least once a year. Okay. Uh, so it's been at least a year since I've watched Rear Window. So going into that, there may be a few things that I have uh, forgotten. Okay. No but, problem. But uh, give us a rundown of, of the story, and then we'll get into some of the things that uh, Alfred Hitchcock was talking about and some of the fantastic things and not so fantastic things about this uh, movie. All right, so Rear Window is an Alfred Hitchcock film from 1954, nailed it, uh, starring James Stewart and Grace Kelly. James Stewart plays L.B. Jeffries, who's a photographer who... Afraid of heights, right? Uh, yes, he's afraid of heights and something about I rope. I haven't watched that movie, but rope reference thrown in there. Oh, okay, there you okay. go. Grace Kelly, also afraid of birds <laughs> yes, and yeah. showers, right? You guys are very psycho. afraid of, and knives. Knives. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, hey, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with an a- a director <laughs> using his favorite no. actors again and again and again. Absolutely. And Hitchcock did James, that the quite James, a bit. The, the Stuart Hitchcock relationship is the DiCaprio the, the uh, Scorsese relationship. Yeah, exactly. Of there you go. But Good. Grace Good Kelly was neither in The Birds nor Psycho. I know. But she's blonde okay. and Hitchcock had a thing for She blonde. does sure. look like Hitch's leading lady. Yes. <laughs> yes. She, she's that girl. So, she's also 30 years younger than Jimmy Stewart, which is creepy. Uh, Jeffries is a photographer. He goes around the world, takes a lot of photographs. Yeah, like National Geographic type right, stuff. Right, right. Uh, he broke his leg. I don't remember what they actually said. I'm going to say he fell down a church steeple. He was, or, he was trying off. to jump from one roof to another. <laughs> right. And, and slipped by a car because he was trying to get them a shot at a racetrack. Oh, that's right. They did say that, didn't they? Yeah, they, that's they a picture of it. it. Yeah, they're right. Anyways, alternate history. <laughs> uh, so he's laid up in his apartment. And he takes up a fascination by looking out the window because he can't really move or he chooses not to move, really. He, right. He just, he just uh, decides he's not going to go anywhere uh, while he's in his wheelchair with his broken leg. And takes up uh, the fascination of staring at his neighbors who all leave their windows open generally uh, so he can look in and see their lives. And it's nice that he has a giant telephoto lens to do the same right. thing. Right, and a pair of binoculars. Yes. So he is, uh, he's equipped to do all your peeping needs. Give him a call. <laughs> they totally ripped off that one Shia LaBeouf movie, too. Oh, absolutely. They totally ripped well, off that one episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. He, yep. Reference. They, totally ripped, <laughs> they totally ripped off that uh, 1980s movie with uh, Melanie Griffith in it. <laughs> Man, look at you. Look at that wit. Anyways... 
Uh, so <laughs> half witch, you mean? Oh, uh, Stuart or uh, Jeffrey is in this case. Um, believes that one of his neighbors has murdered his wife. No, he didn't see the murder, but this guy's been acting strange. I'm like, who goes out of their house at three in the morning? Yeah, who buys rope to tie up a suitcase? Yeah, who? Yeah. uh, you know, answers their phone when they don't have caller ID to screen. Perry Mason, <laughs> that's who. <laughs> You know who Perry Mason is? Uh, Perry Mason was a detective that we reference a lot on the show. A lawyer. Oh, was he a lawyer? Whatever. Detective, lawyer. They lie. <laughs> <laughs> they find the truth. He's played uh, by Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr was Raymond the bad Burr. guy in this movie. Oh, really? Yes. And also the bad guy in Godzilla. Was that, after, he was Godzilla. Uh, yes, he was Godzilla. <laughs> he was Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> he, was it you can was tell after or atomic- before this? What, Godzilla was after this? No, not Godzilla. Godzilla was the same uh, year. Lawyer, man. Oh, Perry Mason? Um, right around the same time. Yeah, a little bit after this. Okay, now. okay. Perry cool. Mason ran for like nine years starting in 57, I want to say. He seems very old. Make Perry up. Mason? Well, no. The Raymond guy, Burr. Yeah, the guy who, Raymond Burr. He's got, his his hair is whitened here. He yeah, doesn't yeah. normally have the, uh, okay. the white hair. Yeah, okay. they really like darkened his eyes, whitened his hair, made him look older. Yeah. Actually, they made him... This is something that may or may not be true. Oh, they made him. They made him look like a producer that Hitchcock had beef with. Supposedly, uh, really? interesting. Yeah, interesting. I want to. I want to say Selznick, but I may be talking out my face. Yeah, that's probably. But about supposedly, right. the 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 whole thing of him looking the way he looks is a dig at a producer that Hitchcock did not care for. Very so awesome. he made sure that the murderer looked like uh, this guy. He didn't like. Uh, so, anyways. Jeffries brings in his fiance, uh, played by Grace Kelly, Lisa Carol Fremont, and they have some relationship issues that uh, kind of has some tension in the beginning. He doesn't really kind of want to be with her anymore because like cramp his lifestyle and whatnot. Um, but they really bond Jeez. over this murder. 25 years younger than him and keeps accidentally calling him dad when they're sure. out on the town. Sure, sure. Uh, they bring in a detective to try to help them solve this case. Detective says, hey, you guys are paranoid. Maybe you should get and out of the house. He also says to Jeffries, you are breaking the law. You know yeah, that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, uh, his, his massage nurse lady. Mm-hmm. His nurse. Yeah. Nurse uh, even says, like, peeping Tom, I'll get you, like, six months in the hot box or something. I don't remember what she says. <laughs> yeah. She's funny. I, all of oh, her she was awesome. Yeah, caregiver. Yeah, she was really funny because... Uh, Jeffries is all of like going to this really dark place of not giving anyone the benefit of doubt, just being like, "Oh, he killed his wife because his wife's not there anymore, right?" right. And he's like mm-hmm. going to these dark places. He even says like, "How would you go about cutting up a human body?" And really just freaks out uh, Lisa in one yeah, of those yeah. scenes. But then she's like way dark. She's like that friend that just takes the joke to the next level, which I always find <laughs> yes. funny. But she most people were like, maybe you should have stopped that. that like, yeah, there was yeah. a line you crossed it. She was like, oh, you had to kill him in the bathtub. Right, right. Because the blood had to drain out. It's like, I wonder how long they're going to keep in that body before it starts like leaking or right. something. And he's like taking a bite of bacon and it's a great moment. She's a, she's a nurse, man. Nurses have no oh, personal space, first of all. Absolutely. And no gag reflex. No, no, no. My stepmom's a nurse. Yeah, they, so they're, 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 yeah, yeah, true. They See some stuff, man. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I was a CNA for a while. Fun fact. Oh, yeah, that's right. You remember yeah. telling me about bedpans and whatnot. Yeah, man, I got pooped on. It was fun. Bedpans <laughs> and broomsticks. That was a great movie with Angela Lansbury. Gross. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, and the other thing that's fascinating about this is the fact that Jeffries has to live vicariously through 
everyone in this courtyard. Yes. And the unique part about the storytelling is we can only see what's going on from his perspective. Yes. So when we're looking down on, when we're looking down on the bottom floor, Mm -hmm. we can only see, you know, a few feet into the window Mm -hmm. of that person's world. And so we see the little Miss Lonely Hearts who wants to go out on a date or the date breaks up with her and things aren't going well and da 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 And then we get to see the, the dancing girl across the way and that's all fascinating and well and good. And we get to see the newlywed couple constantly getting it on. Mm-hmm. We get to mm-hmm. see the single bachelor having his wild and crazy parties. We get to see the- Wild and crazy guys. We get to see the, oh. the married couple with their dogs up and down the- yeah, the okay, little basket funny. and sleeping out on the on the uh, grate. You know, yeah. we we never see who lives below Jimmy Stewart. Nope. No, we get a we little can't. peek out the alley of what's going on out into the world mm-hmm. beyond. We get to watch the super hot dancer dress and undress and dance. Yeah. And so her first I, moment, she walks out is and she's putting on a brazier, and I'm like, this is this is a little creepy for a moment. Well, and and I think from that aspect of the voyeur aspect. Yeah. You as an audience member should feel a little creeped out. Oh, yeah. Because this guy is just looking into your life and you don't know who's out there. Now, mm-hmm. um, my, you know, I've got basically if it's light outside and it's dark in your house, no one can see you anyway. Right. Unless the sun's shining right in your window. It's only right. at night when the lights are on that people can see what you're doing in there. So leave right. the windows open, do whatever you want. Um, I used to live in Irvine, California uh, years ago. And. In the complex that I was in, we had a nice little quad going on, and you literally could see across to someone else's apartment, and mm-hmm. their big picture window would be open, and you could see the freeway just on the other side because they had the windows all the <laughs> way open up all the way through. And so you, I can I can appreciate where Jimmy Stewart is coming from as a character and this situation where, oh, there is this kind of, what is everybody else doing living in this fishbowl, and let me observe what what's going on, and Jimmy Stewart tries to, or Jeffries does try to come up with psychological explanations of what's going on in everyone's lives. And he starts making up these stories for everyone's lives. And through the process of him being drawn into these stories, he suddenly makes up this story about a man who kills his wife, who actually did kill his wife. Yeah. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And gets his uh, girlfriend slash fiance slash ex-fiance and housekeeper involved in the in the investigation, right. in the yeah. crazy conspiracy, mm-hmm. which almost puts her life in jeopardy. Yes. In yep. fact, it yes. does put her yeah. life in jeopardy. It does. Very much yes. so. She nearly gets strangled by David Oselznick. The weird part that I've never really put together in this, mm-hmm. there's two things. There's two ways that you can look at what Hitchcock is trying to tell us in, um, in this movie. Mm-hmm. The one is, let's take a look at everyday life in America in the 1950s. And so you get to see people going about their normal average day, or what most people would assume that this is what goes on in the life of an American <laughs> in 1954. Sure. And that's kind of quaint and it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. The other one, which didn't really hit me until just a few days ago, was this is Hitchcock talking about marriage. This whole movie is Hitchcock's take on marriage, or at least a take on marriage, in that yeah. Jeffries does not want to commit to marrying Grace Kelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She really wants to marry him, but then she kind of mellows on that, but then they, they come back together uh, later on. But if you just look at the vista of what's going on, and I, this only came to me because I saw this video called Time Lapse of um, Hitch. It's called, I think it's Time Lapse of Hitch. And basically this guy, for an art project took 
everything in rear window mm-hmm. and he t- flattened it out into this one giant image of what you would see if you were standing in Jimmy Stewart's window and looking out. And he makes it in one giant panorama and then he plays the film out in all the windows as they happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, in wow. real time. This is this it's is unreal. This is oh, unreal. I it is mind blowing. I will put a link. I will put, actually embed the video into the Majorspoilers.com page so that you guys can see this. You uh, People who go to the website every episode know that I put in the trailer and any other things that we talk about that I have access to into the show notes for that mm-hmm. so you can go over and see this. But what's crazy about it is on the far left, because you're seeing everything from the far left to the far right. On the far left, you see the married couple. And you see them getting it on and doing everything mm-hmm. that they do with the curtains going up and down, going up and down, going up and down. Mm-hmm. And then on the far right, on the extreme light, right, is the bachelor life mm-hmm. and the bachelors having their thing and doing all of their things. And then somewhere in the middle, you have probably what most of us are going through every day of our life. The Miss Lonely Hearts, mm-hmm. the happily married couple, and the guy that wants to murder his wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. It is so fascinating to watch this play out. That Hitchcock is giving us a huge spectrum of married life mm-hmm. in America, from the newlywed yeah, couple to the bachelor and everyone in between. And it is when you see, and I think the only reason why it clicked is because I saw it in that big tableau. Yeah. Because if you start talking about it, here's what happens in, in Rear Window Jimmy Stewart looks through his camera and he sees the married couple poking their heads out the window. He looks through his, he looks over and he sees the guys having their party over there with the piano and everything. Mm-hmm. He looks down and sees Miss Lonely Hearts. He looks across and sees the old, old couple pulling their dog up. He's seeing what's going on in the window between Raymond Burr and his wife. And we only see that in, in our view. But when you look at it in the big wide vista yeah, view, interesting. it suddenly is like, wow, this is marriage in America. And then you also have uh, the lady underneath the, the ballerina who's right. like single and right. just like kind of giving up. She's yeah, like asleep yeah. on the lawn chair. Yeah. And then you have what you would assume is like the female equivalent of single life in the ballerina dancer, just cause, uh, with one, that is what Jeffries and the detective like project onto her. And then we, uh, the, our relationship, all the characters in the film are through Jeffries. And so that's <laughs> what they want because they want her to be available, even though that they aren't because that's what they, that's what they're seeing. And that's what they want. Uh, and so you have this idea of, oh, she's available. She is like the the unicorn in the field that you want right, to have. Right. Uh, and then you find at the end of the film that she's actually married, mm-hmm. which is like an awesome moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. So, no, that, yeah, that ma- thing about moment. marriage is super interesting. Because even when you, not until you mentioned it, do I actually realized like everyone in this movie is in like a different stage of a relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's It's... I don't forget where I saw this, but someone said, you know, this movie's about marriage, right? I'm like, well, what do you mean? And the, the article went out and this person had written and saying, well, at the beginning of the film, Jeffries is totally against marriage. Yeah. Princess Grace is all about marriage. And through change in the film and what characters do go through change, he comes mm-hmm. around to the end of the movie where he's kind of accepting of this idea mm-hmm. of marriage and wanting to get married to this hot blonde mm-hmm. who's 30 years younger than he is. And... Then you say, well, you look across and you see all the different types of relationships going on, but it's only when you see this thing, and it's by Jeff Desom, D-E-S-O-M. It's only when you see this played out in a giant tableau all at once do you see that this is literally that spectrum of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's <sighs> it's insane. And then oh, because this is awesome. Freaky. So now you go into the Miss Lonely Heart story, yes. which I find Girl really fascinating. Bottom. Girl mm-hmm. at the very bottom, uh, because towards like the one of the climaxes of Rear Window, yeah, she's gonna is, commit suicide. Yeah, if Fremont, uh, uh, Grace Kelly's character, Grace Kelly's Kelly's character is sneaking in to uh, our our supposed murderer's house to. Uh, you, don't find think he, you don't think he killed her? Oh no! At, at, at this point, it's it's oh, okay. a, no, maybe right. say he's a murder. At this point, they're su- they're suspecting him. They're trying to find some allegedly. Uh, hey, there's some people that say that he did murder her. There are theories on the internet. That's that interesting. Say that he didn't murder. But uh, while they're using their binoculars, and by they I mean uh, Jeffries and his nurse are in his his apartment, looking across the courtyard, watching her sneak into this house and really risk some serious life and limb. Uh, Miss Lonelyheart is down in the bottom. Uh, she's put out all these pills and the nurse even says like, that is a lot of pills. Like I know what those are. That's bad. Right. And they just kind of blow it off for a while. And like, they're so hyper focused on this murder case that they're like, Oh no, this lady's going to die. And then I was like, I was like, these people don't care. Right. They don't care. Right. And then finally they do something. And then, so when I'm getting back to the relationship, uh, the guy in the corner with the piano starts playing this music, mm-hmm. and she 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 doesn't do it. Right. And then, uh, like so, she has like this moment of uh, realization that well, she shouldn't do it, right? And then at the very end, the guy has his first vinyl pressing of all this music they've made, and mm-hmm. she's in the room. And so this has been like so important to me, which has kind of been like, you know what, like love and is 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 great, and having someone to share it with is also awesome. But it's not necessary to keep on living. Like you can still go on and find beauty in things without having yeah, to be yeah. with someone. Yeah. But I just got that because of this whole marriage thing. Your marriage thing? No, with you bringing up this oh, being yeah, about yeah. marriage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is kind of interesting. And it, I don't know. I mean, knowing what you what we all think we know about Hitchcock, it's interesting to go through and not necessarily find. I at least I don't think I find. A preference necessarily if you look at you know no. the bickering couple you look at mm-hmm. the happy couple you look at the girl mm-hmm. who suddenly has a husband at the end it's not necessarily done judgmentally no but once steven mentions it now i'll never see this movie the same way again <laughs> again someone said hey you know this is about marriage and i was like well i don't think so and then i watched this rear window time lapse and it just and it totally it, it totally just was like oh because to me all along this movie was using a gimmick mm-hmm to tell a fascinating murder mystery because mm-hmm. you could have told this story from a hundred different ways, but Hitchcock said, Hey, let's build this giant courtyard in the studio right. and let's film it all from one point of view right? and make it work. And by God, from that gimmick, it works as a fascinating thriller that this ranks among, it goes, this one North by Northwest are my top two Alfred Hitchcock movies. Ooh. This, yeah, this, this is, is really good. This is to there. me, it's better than Psycho. It's better than Vertigo. Mm-hmm. I, I like was, it better than Vertigo. I'm still not sure about Psycho because of my my deep love of Norman Cutlery Bates. <laughs> because I mean, Anthony Perkins is wonderful. I, the the thing you know, Zach, my my thing is the one bit that that I'm going to tell you that you'll probably never retain. You know, the guy who writes the songs, yeah, the little. That's uh, the guy who invented the chipmunks. That's Ross Bagdasarian. Oh, oh that's yeah, cool. that's right. I remember reading that. Alvin! That's funny. I that was, uh, initial impressions of this film, for me, was kind of, uh, was not, 
uh, as high as I thought it would because this has like a really high rating on Rotten Tomato. It has yeah, like yeah. the highest. It's like 100. Yeah. percent Yeah, it's uh, unlike 70 reviews too. It's not yeah. like a couple. No. Um. But now, like the farther I get away from it, the more I enjoy it, and that's because, um, but partially because of the remake, mm-hmm. which I've seen a couple times. Mm-hmm. And which remake? Well, uh, the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Oh, okay. D- right. Disturbia. 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 Okay. That's less a remake than well, it is really say... evidence of Shia LaBeouf stealing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you say remake because this movie's been remade a couple of As times. A... Yeah. In, in fact, the movie that since you've already seen Disturbia, which I've seen too, and I didn't really know what it was about until I sat down to watch it. And I was like, holy crap, man, this is rear, rear window. window. Yeah. Um, watch a movie called Body Double. It came out in the 1980s, 1984. Oh. It's by Brian De Palma. It's got yep. Melanie Griffith in it, but it is essentially rear window told from a lot of different perspectives, oh, but this one plays more on the kink and nudity because the porn industry kind of plays a role in this story. But it is still a very good thriller. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but so I was kind of down on this one, mainly because I'd seen Disturbia, and like this is a 1954 thriller, which means it's 60 years old this year. Yeah. And so me understanding where the movie is going mm-hmm. wanted something different. Mm. Um, I wanted to, Hitchcock to at the end for like, uh, it'd be like, oh, you know what happened? They got a divorce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't be such a weirdo that thinks the worst of your neighbors. That would be kind of a. It would be interesting. Yeah. Um, in almost kind of in the vein of Hitch- sometimes Hitchcock will throw in like a weird twist at the end. You know, right. I mean, he did with Vertigo, yeah. and he did with um, uh, Psycho. Right. And so I was, I was kind of hoping for that, but like the more I get away from it, and the idea really uh, a big thing. It I I read um a review or like a amusing on this film and talked about how like this is the most uh the way that he builds up suspense in this movie is just like the long he actually like like compared it to like the longest session of four point oh yeah yeah of like he's not not jump scaring you at all he's right. not it's just like right. this long build up to yep. the end um and i can imagine how tense that would have been in the theater 60 years ago oh, seeing sure. this play out mm-hmm. for so long and mm-hmm. and uh and then finally it happening like when he finally looks into the camera uh, uh from across the courtyard oh, yeah. at the when very Renan end Burr looks and says he re- realizes yeah, that he's being was watched. awesome because i was expecting it the whole movie and i thought i mean it had to eventually happen because that's like what we see all the time yeah, now yeah, right yeah. but it's such a good moment and uh, and I enjoy a non jump scare. If you can build tension instead of just throwing something at me, mm-hmm. which is just like a, it's like it's like a it's like a it's like a fart joke. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna laugh, right. and, if, and if you throw right, something right, at me, right. I'm gonna jump right. because that's what you, that's what you do. When yeah, you get yeah. something thrown at you that you don't yeah. want to expect. What if someone throws a fart at you? Then what are you gonna do? Uh, just, <laughs> just waft it right in, guys. <laughs> waft guys. it right in. He brought Focus. it up. Focus. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and you make a good point in that it's easier, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say worse or better, but it is easier to scare people with a good jump scare yeah. than it is to really build the tension. And this is a film that doesn't take shortcuts in the tension that it's building. And it doesn't necessarily, and, you know, there's a, there's a dog going up and down on an elevator, so you have a little comedy. Yeah, true. But, you know, you don't have what you expect from either, you know, a thriller or a murder flick or whatever it is. This mm-hmm. is like 
this is completely atypical of anything other than this is a Hitchcock movie. For me, yeah, and it's not even like really a grotesque nature to it, even though uh, modern the, modernly there would have been a finger or a hand or something yeah, yeah, in right. the garden, but there's nothing. It, it, instead of having Stella say, well, you'd have to chop off her hand, you'd actually see the chopped off hand. Right. Well, wasn't right. it in Disturbia underneath the basement was where the bodies were at? Mm-hmm. And we got to see him running around in that right. dirt maze down at the right. bottom. So, we didn't actually watch Disturbia. It's a Shia LaBeouf movie. For no, me. I did. I've watched it actually a couple times. Um, it's my favorite Shia LaBeouf movie of all time. Next to Transformers 2. Uh, <laughs> so when I compared like this movie to Disturbia. Zach impersonating didn't say Zach, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Meta. <laughs> um, wow. What I really it's like. Inception like, over here. It, you can look at like the development of suspense thrillers right. like from this to Disturbia. Right. So in this movie, Jeffries is confined within his apartment because mm-hmm. his leg is broken. And, right. And really, I think he could have gone out. Like, I think he could have. He could have gone on crutches. Like, uh, there's, there's like a couple e- of times Ebert kind of like says that. It's like, uh, there's a lot he reads into like, uh, like his, 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 yeah, his, his, his like manhood or yeah, his yeah. manhood, like yeah. not wanting to go out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he's confined to within this. And so the dispense has to be built up externally. Like he can't be in the situation. It has to be all him viewing it. He can't actually like go into it, but in Disturbia, he's actually able to move. He's just like on house arrest. So he can actually leave his premises, which allows him to go to the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. which builds up the idea of a jump scare. Right. And you can just start throwing in scores of music to build the tension Mm -hmm. without actually really, uh, developing like a really cool plot or anything. And that's really, yeah, that is kind of the development of where we are with like modern horror, where modern horror is now jump scares and rip someone's head off. Right. So what's interesting is um, this week on the Major Spoilers podcast, I reviewed a book called The October Faction uh, from IDW Publishing. And as soon as I pull it up here, there's a really cool piece in the beginning where the lead character is talking about monsters and the genre of monsters and why we get so um, why we get so wrapped up in the fascination of this. And as I was reading this book, I was like, oh, wow, this is a great take on Hitchcock and Hitchcock, why he approaches um, things the way that maybe, maybe he does. Um, Basically, monsters come from the Latin term monstrum, which means a natural event or contrary to nature. The word is almost always associated with evil, but not in all cases. But I bet you didn't know this word monster also has the roots in the word uh, monere, M-O-N-E-R-E, which means to help or instruct. Do we like to be afraid? Do we like to confront our fears and externalize our internal struggle? Or is it that we love monsters because so often we are the very monsters we fear the most? And I think that's really kind of weird, you know, in this, in this comic (laughs) that he's talking Mm -hmm. about, we can use monsters. We can use these external things, whether they be somebody dressing up as his dead mother and hacking somebody to pieces, Mm -hmm. whether it's the fear of heights, whether it's the fear of spiders, whether it's the fear of whatever, whether it's believing that we're witnessing, um, somebody commit murder and we've been, we've had our manhood stripped away and we can't do anything about it that we have to let the woman go. Mm. These manifest themselves in these monstrous thoughts that Hitchcock seems to have latched onto. Right. um, As he tells these stories that make us stop and think 
and sometimes make us go, bah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Turns out it was man all along. Ah, he meddled in God's domain. <laughs> you hear that a lot yeah, it's in a good call. movies, Zach. Yeah. yeah. So what did you learn from this besides the building of suspense and the thrilling? Anything else that you picked up from this? Uh, I really love the idea of every shot with exception, which was really weird. To from this perspective of his house, mm. there was two instances. They're all in the same s- sequence mm-hmm. where you got a shot that wasn't from this perspective of yes. Jeffrey would see it, and it's when the dog dies, mm-hmm. and you get like a medium shots of uh, Miss Lonely Heart and right. like the dancer lady, right. which are really they felt so weird. Yeah. Like it made no sense to me why those mm-hmm. were thrown in mm-hmm. because even everyone else's reaction shots are from where you would see from his apartment. Yeah. But it, it felt so weird. Like, I didn't understand. And maybe that is just uh, us film nerds noticing something. Like, I don't think anyone else would really notice that. But it just felt odd that those two shots, which probably totaled maybe four seconds of the film, right. oh, were yeah, it included. Takes you, it takes you out. And I think, if I remember correctly, the last time I did watch this, I was kind of feeling the same way. It's like, well, yeah. those really take you out of the story. Yeah, it's so Because strange. it's kind of like when you watch Chronicle. And right at the end of the movie where everything's supposed to be found footage, it's mm-hmm. clear at the very oh, end of the movie yeah. that there's no way that they can get those shots from <laughs> from found footage. No matter how many cell phones are pointed at the scene, there's just no way to get that shot without mm-hmm. breaking that storytelling convention. Yep. So yeah, maybe even greats like Alfred Hitchcock can slip up and, and sure. put something in there. Uh, mm-hmm. What did the wife think of this? Uh, she watched... Did she go, oh, this is just no. like Disturbia. I'm not watching this movie. Uh, no. Uh, I think I told her. Like, I knew going into the movie that there was some some taking of uh, ideas for Disturbia. And so I, like, said to her before I started watching it, like, this is, this is like, the influence of Disturbia. She uh, she watched about the last half of it with me. That's a good half to watch. Yeah, it was, it was good. And she was she was okay with it. Um. We did have to watch Annie afterwards because she said, "I make Which her Annie, uh, the, the old Annie, the old Annie." Because okay. she's like, "You make me watch all these old stupid movies, so now we get to watch what I want to watch." Uh, and she chose Annie. No, she Wait. was already watching Annie. Uh, now I, I think we're watching Thirteen Going on Thirty. Yeah, it's, it's a hard knock life um, for us. It's but she was fine with it. She she enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I think everybody should watch this movie. It's good. Okay, cool. It's really really good. All right. Uh, so that uh, wraps up another Alfred Hitchcock movie here on Zach on Film. Head over to Majorspoilers.com, find this podcast posting page, and certainly go there this week because you can watch this incredible time lapse of Rear Window. It is mind blowing, especially if you've ever done like any comp work. Yeah. It is just well, and unreal. the fact that, it's the so fact good. that he then projected this as an art exhibit, um, yeah. projected this using three different projectors to oh, tie everything unreal. together into a giant, I think it was like 120 foot something. Oh, canvas. so cool. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So you had to go there and check that in. Uh, give any comments, uh, you had while, uh, either watching rear window or listening to this episode down the comments of that page while they're clicking the amazon.com link or anything you purchase is not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to major spoilers and it helps us do a whole lot with keeping the site up and running and make sure we can always bring timely content to you each and every week uh, next week we are going to be watching more Alfred Hitchcock as we talk North by Northwest on Zach Montel.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.